everybody, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I'm your host, Mary Catherine Ham. I'm here with my co-host, as always, Vic Mattis of the Washington Free Beacon. We got a lot going on today. I got some COVID rants going on. You know, we have to revisit it because it makes me feel good to 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 bring forth the reckoning. It might never come, but we're still working out. We got debate teams against debate. We got some 2024, and we also have some breaking news from the SCOTUS, which won't be breaking by the time you hear this, but we're going to tell you about it anyway. Vic, first of all, how you doing? Hello, Mary Catherine. As you know, I'm a former legal correspondent for the Washington Free Beacon. As, on as you should be. The now defunct podcast, Right and Writer. Yes, this just came in. It never fails when we record our shows. They yes. always wait till after. But this just happened as we're going into taping, which is the Supreme Court, as you all by now know, has ruled in favor of ending affirmative action as a factor in college admissions. They ruled, I believe, 6-3 in the Harvard case and 6-2 in North Carolina case because Ketanji Brown-Jackson recused herself. Interesting. I just want to say a couple things. One, this is really the capstone to Chief Justice John Roberts's whole career. This is the big culmination. He's done many, he's had many opinions on this for decades, really, and his position has always been clear, as they say, that the best way to end racial discrimination is by ending racial discrimination. Right. Yeah. So that's one thing. That seems like a almost a truism. Yes. <laughs> and and but you know because you're trying to favor one versus the other and everyone's talking about the context of the times in the 1960s versus 2023 just as Sotomayor, you know, she firmly believes that race will f- was is and always will be a factor mm-hmm. in American life. So that's where she stands. I will say this is a big day for the Asians. That's what I'm going to say. Huge Asian news. I, I, I need to let I need to Is le- it still AAPI? Happy, no. Month? No, no. I, I f- it felt like it was happy week. <laughs> Look, let's, was, let's, let's really rack this an, one up as a win for really, AAPI it recognition month. It was really month. an happy hour. Thank you. Oh, I yes, see no. what you whereas did there. Certain, whereas certain groups, I feel like it goes on for months and years. I will say for anyone on America's college campuses right now, prepare for the Asian invasion. That's all I'm going to say. You know, that's what they used to say about UCLA, right? University yeah. of Caucasians lost among Asians. Now this is going to be, this is going to be, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Jennifer just got it. Nationwide, it's happening. And not only that, I am resubmitting my application to Princeton because I think now- you, You'd make it? I'm going to make so, it now. Can yeah. I tell you a slightly problematic story about, I was, Wait, I was using- this show? Please. I was using the Census Bureau's data. The New York Times put it into a sort of a explorable map yeah. where you could search your zip code and see what the racial breakdown of your neighborhood was. Oh, yeah. And I, it was all very interesting. You could just drill down and see who li- who you lived amongst. And I was like looking at various places I'd lived over the years. And in my hometown, which is probably- the hometown itself is like a very like 30 plus percent black. Yeah. And so that was not unexpected. And I was clicking around and I thought, OK, that that tracks. And then I found a spot on the map that was according to the the dots, which were not color coded based on skin color. The, the New York Times really went, went in a, a different direction, They're like okay. purple dots yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. you know, just to, oh, they don't want to be course, problematic. No, no. But I found this little section that was a different color dot. And I was like, well. This is so concentrated. You've never seen that. And it's what right close to my house in Durham. And I looked it up and it's Asian Americans. Oh. And I thought, is there like a is there a Chinatown that I don't know about near my home? It's Duke University. Uh, <laughs> really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh. 
Okay. That is so interesting. I really, I, no, that's really I, I was interesting. racking my yeah, brain yeah. for a Koreatown or a Chinatown yes. in Durham yeah, that yeah. I had never, never known about. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Like a little enclave. Yes. But no. And there was an enclave. The, the enclave it is just called Duke. was yeah. Duke. So there you go, folks. That is very funny. <laughs> uh, uh, Mary Catherine, how are you? I am doing pretty good. I couldn't find a parking space when I was trying to get up here today. Ugh. Everything is like a mess, are, by the way, Are people today. coming back to work? Yeah. Ew, ew. Uh, strangely, I think Thursdays. Like, everyone seems to take off Mondays and Fridays. Oh, uh, not take so off, like, but work remote. This is the day but that I you remind your boss that you still have a job and you're on exist. it? exist, okay. yes, which is kind of a shame <laughs> for us because it was great when there was nobody here. And you could oh, park wherever. Yeah. And it took, like, little to no time to get no, down. I, pull, I pulled in office. and I was, like, doing my normal thing. I was going to find my normal spots. Nope, they do not exist. And then eventually I just pulled sort of like a jerk. Apologies. Look, it just, it's out there. This is going to be you the, blocking Someday this car? will be the oppo on me is that one time yeah. I pulled a little bit diagonally into a spot in a garage and partially just a tiny bit obstructed okay. I was the spot say, next to me. But let me, let me speak up for myself. Mm-hmm. There was nothing else. This one was against a wall. The one next to it that's open is reserved. So I don't want to take that one. That's a more jerk move. I've However, done that by accident. Behind this mm-hmm. car, behind where I would park, next to the wall, where there's no maneuverability, is a gigantic car. There's like a there's a Tahoe behind oh. it. So if I pull in properly and the reserved person arrives. I will be doing a 93-point turn to get out of there. And I just thought, you know what? Today, I'm rarely a jerk about parking, but today I'm just going to be a little jerky. So they don't have, like, the monitors that tell you, oh, parking lot is full. You yeah, just, I, I think I you just find we, out. Like, like if you go to Tyson's Mall, they have the green lights, the red lights, and it tells you lot full. No, you know there's nothing. You like, know what's a lot open? The EV spots. Those are oh. open. Yeah. Same but, thing uh, with, like... Uh, uh, if my you go Jeep to rest doesn't. Stops, my Jeep doesn't read EV, guys. There are a ton of EV spots for at now all the rest stops along yeah. 95. Yeah, and there's hardly anybody. Nothing on for like line. pregnant moms or veterans. No, but no, we got no, the no. EV. We got to get up the EV spots because you're <laughs> trying to make it happen. All righty, let's get. Shall we get into right, the let's news? Let's just do it. All right. Rochelle, Rochelle, Rochelle. Walensky writing in the New York Times this week. She has some stuff to tell Americans, Vic. That she's sorry. Well, oops. No, that no. no. I'm. It's nice that you're is, that optimistic. Is, is, is the title of her op-ed "My Bad"? No, it's two words. No. <laughs> that should be your book. My, My Bad, Bad by Rochelle <laughs> Walensky. The current headline on the piece is "What I Need to Tell America Before mm-hmm. I Leave the CDC." There was a different headline on the piece. Did you see it? No. Oh, yeah. Before this one, which is more neutral, less provocative, the early one was, our COVID despair is going away too quickly. <laughs> really? Yes. Too quickly. Despair is good and we should have more of it was the take. People are getting too optimistic. Yeah. And that's a danger. So they cha- yeah. So they changed the headline okay. so that it didn't have quite... That amount of baggage. Now, Walensky does not write the headline. Let me. I understand that. I've had headlines slapped on my stuff before. But let's. Let's. Do you yeah. think what? What do you think of this op-ed? And she's not. We're not taking responsibility. That's for well, sure. Well, a, a couple of interesting things regarding the the headline. There are people out there that still feel this way. 
that COVID is like, what is everybody doing out there acting like everything is back right. to normal? Right. You're living your lives. This is a horrendous. A poll recently came out, and I mean this past week, that finally showed a majority of Democrats now believe the pandemic is over. 2023, so, mid-2023. Yes, I believe the for the Republicans, it was like fall 2021, Yeah, I think. Maybe uh, earlier. Yeah. yeah, in my house, I think it was summer 2020. Our, our, we were May 2020. <laughs> right. Okay, so she she does try to, she has a few interesting choice phrases in the piece, including, yeah. quote, early missteps, mm-hmm. just early, and, quote, battered by persistent scrutiny, you yeah. know? No, and, I, I know. did enjoy battered by persistent Yeah, how dare scrutiny, we? As if that should not be part of right. the relationship that we have right, right. as press or as the people governed by right. this organization. We should not be scrutinizing right. it. But her, I felt like the takeaway was she was pleading that, you know, the CDC needs your support now more than ever and the support of Congress. Mm-hmm. Please give us more power. But that part was deleted, that <laughs> sentence. But So this, this line also struck me. The job... I could have written this line. The job of public health is to strike an appropriate balance between protecting the health of all those who live in the United States while minimizing the disruption to the normal functioning of society. If that is the case, you have failed dramatically. There were, again, can I just stress early missteps, okay? So nobody's perfect. Nobody knew what was going on. They certainly didn't know what what was going on when they were giving money to the Eco Health mm-hmm. Alliance. Although mm-hmm. that was Fauci. I'm getting all confused here. She, she goes yeah. on to say the goal is to offer science-driven recommendations that balance protection and practicality in the context of one's mm-hmm. individual risk tolerance and value set. To this I say, nonsense. They don't believe that's no. their job because they made it clear that their job was not to allow individual risk yeah. tolerance calls. If I was editing this, I would have I, I would have prefaced it by saying, moving forward, comma. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's no... There was no, little to no practicality involved in any of the recommendations. No. In fact, individual risk tolerance was demonized as causing widespread problems mm-hmm. to everyone. She then does a little backfilling for the for the unions and the schools here. For example, the question of how low the rates of infections in schools need to be for them to remain open has much to do with whether you have an immunocompromised family member in the household or whether you can supplement education with personal tutors, or whether you require school lunches for your child's nutritional needs. Okay. Yeah, all of those things could have been solved with much less disruption had the CDC done the thing she Mm -hmm. says is the CDC's job, but it didn't do that thing. It would have been great if she wrote this in the spring of 2020. So She also talks about these, you know, policy recommendations that can't be made in a vacuum, Mm -hmm. I think, as she says. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, there are, yes, and getting to what you were saying, there are these other non-science related factors like the economy, apparently, yeah. and schools. Well, you know, we, we discovered those. We didn't know those existed yeah. until much later in the pandemic, you know? Yeah, yes. Well, I mean, I think the, the way out so you can never be blamed is just by saying that we continue to learn, mm-hmm. right? Well, you know, it's just a learning process. We didn't learn. We didn't know a lot of these things back then, but we're continuing to learn, to which I was thinking just the other day. They should continue to learn more about the origins of the virus yeah, since the, there's a story in the Jerusalem Post about the researcher at the Wuhan lab uh-huh. named Chao Shao, okay. who said, in fact, on the record, that the coronavirus was, in fact, a bioweapon. Like right. it was designed to see how it can affect as many people 
and but no, let's not really. Yeah, we're not allowed know, to talk about that. Know. Yeah, I do enjoy the 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 blatant sort of begging for resources here because they don't have enough. They had they had the resource of like unlimited power right during no no, no. they're just the most valuable resource no, actually. It, it, it's like DC schools, Chicago schools. We okay. don't we don't have enough money. Chronically, we need more money. chronically underfunded. Yeah. It is not enough to support public health when there is an emergency. The roller coaster influx of resources during a crisis, followed by underfunding after the threat is addressed, exposes a broken system and puts future lives at risk. Long-standing, sustainable investments are needed across public health over time in administrations to position the United States to be better prepared for the next large-scale infectious disease outbreak or other health threat. What do you think the polling is on how many people would believe the CDC at this point if they started addressing us about yet another threat? Yeah, that, that's I mean, we the did. Problem. We sort of did it with with monkeypox, which now we're required to call mpox because they changed that, so as not to be problematic in some made up way. Yeah, we saw it with that, and once again, they did the exact same thing as they did with COVID, which was not stipulate that certain populations are far more at risk for this than others. So I had, which led I to had, some parents saying, "Oh, should we get the monkeypox no, vaccine?" I had, I had Becky momfluencers being like, "Oh no, should I send?" My kid to school. It's like yes, yes, mm-hmm. and unless you mm-hmm. have been involved in, or they have been involved in say, like, some should, really inappropriate right, activity. But well, my oh, by the way, the school is in a bathhouse. Yeah. You know, it's a from the nineteen seventies. Sorry, that's a date. That's an outdated reference. Now I don't know. Maybe it's it good. Isn't. It's like it's like it's like the yeah. It's the right tone for this podcast. Oh, really? It's a little chaste. It might go over the heads of some of the kids. That's listening. fine. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. But no. It, but I mean, even when you have the the health experts at the Biden administration saying that they don't want to criticize certain behaviors anymore as being irresponsible or reckless because it's just that person, that individual's expression of joy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and things like that yeah. and with 10 other strangers yeah. or whatever. That's well, the no, expression. That's, but they can't say, they cannot say this is, you know, risky behavior and that you right. shouldn't be engaged in it. Well, and the, Not even from a religious point of view, but just from a health just point of a, view. Yeah, yeah, just for like basic. Like we, no. Really? I, there also was a f- an interesting moment where a couple of public health people who had been not at all interested in risk mitigation mm-hmm. during COVID, right, or like like harm harm reduction, yeah. right? So people who were not at all interested in balancing practicality and mm-hmm. protection during COVID, a couple of these people came out during monkeypox and were like, like, well, 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 you know, let's focus on how we don't don't shade any of these people, and we want to be want them to have their freedom. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, wait, I'm sorry. You mean they're freedom, D-U-M-B? <laughs> Is that what you're yeah. referring to? There you go. But you'll 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 be encouraged by this. Rochelle has been working on an effort to restore eroded trust called CDC Moving Forward. The goal is to make the CDC the public health agency the American people demand and deserve. Well, it's nice that you're into that now as you're leaving. This includes many changes, among them more regular communication with people. Yeah, that's the problem. You have a communication problem. Politicians and other public health leaders, I found significant benefit in regularly meeting with members of Congress, as well as visiting health departments across the nation and CDC offices around the world to learn more about needs on the ground while discussing our shared priorities. Of course, they couldn't do any of that during COVID because they told all of us to stay in our damn houses and suffer and languish. What what is the name of this new initiative, she calls Uh, it? CDC... Moving forward. CDC, you know what? I would have called it CDC Pro. Because when in doubt, stick the pro and everybody does that now. Yeah. You know, it's an politi- political pro. You can, you can actually subscribe it's a to premium. a premium. You can subscribe to a better version of the yes, CDC. Yes, and than uh, the much one we like have. some of our listeners know, there's getting hammered pro. We can't we don't often talk about it on the show. That one, <laughs> the gloves are really off. It is crazy. 
So yeah, I, I think things are going to go swimmingly. Great. Any any yeah. other any she other could, moments from this that you want to? No, I I do wonder. I mean, is she going to end up with also some sort of sinecure? You know, much how Anthony Fauci is now going to be oh, a professor at Georgetown University. Maybe she can end up at GW. You know, because as you know, if Fauci was higher on the ladder, right, than Rochelle, Georgetown would be higher on the ladder than GW. Just want to get that in there. Sorry. <laughs> Even um, in the bad ways, even in the bad ways. I want to play a little bit of Dana Carvey talking to David oh, Spade because wow. we are in a new era mm-hmm. of, of COVID conversation. Now, I didn't closely track Dana Carvey and David Spade during the pandemic, but I, in general, more of this mockery at the time mm-hmm. would have been very helpful. Here we go. I miss I COVID. Do- <laughs> I know. Dude, you know what I knew? There was trouble <laughs> when anyone that came to our country didn't have to get a vaccine. And I go, mm-hmm. if you're telling me I can't go to work, but everyone everyone coming in doesn't have to get one, I go, well, once we found out, when Fauci said, okay, I'm sorry, but if you've had two boosters and two vaccines, you can get and give COVID to another guy who's had five vaccines and four boosters. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between a vaccine and a booster? I don't know, it's just more vaccine, but booster sounds better. Anyway, a guy with 25 vaccines would get and give COVID to another guy with 25 <laughs> vaccines. That's why I'm introducing the daily COVID shot. Every day you get a shot. By the time you get to your car, you got no immunity. But it's a beautiful 39 seconds. <laughs> a great impression of Anthony Fauci, by the way. But here's the thing is like there is there is still a part of Twitter and I would say a not small p- mm-hmm. a part of the Democratic Party that would say that this is deeply oh, dangerous. Yeah, 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 no. This is this is not funny. Right. And misinformation. Well, let's fact check this 25 vaccines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, they'll do that. And <laughs> like what they do with the Babylon Bee. But the the other thing is, of course, well, I forgot what I was going to say. So just ended that part out. <laughs> was it your twenty fifth vaccine that did it? Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah. See, memory loss is the thing. All oh. right. Speaking of things you can't debate. Oh, hey. I wanted to bring in just a little bit about this is James Fishback writing for the Free Press, and he's been doing some pieces about high school debate societies, and they're embarrassing. They're embarrassing. It turns out that much, much like so many other things, they've sort of been swallowed by this idea that the the personal foibles or alleged problematicness of the person debating can be the target mm-hmm. instead of the actual idea. And if you just sort of dirty that person up in a high school debate where you're supposed to actually conduct a debate, that you can just win that way. Yeah. So he reports on an incident where, so this is... His name's, his name's Matthew, Matthew Adelson, told me in April 2022, he competed at the prestigious Tournament of Champions in Lexington, Kentucky, where he debated in favor of the federal government increasing its protection of water resources. In his final round of the two-day tournament, Matthew was shocked to hear the opposing team levy a personal attack against him as their central argument. The opposing team argued, quote, this debate is more than just about the debate. It's about protecting the individuals in the community from people who proliferate hatred and make this community unsafe. You may wonder, what was the hatred that Matthew was proliferating? Let's let's get to that. They pulled up a screenshot of a tweet that Matthew had responded to. The tweet was, name one thing that you personally feel is morally disgusting, but that you think rationally should be legal and accepted by society. Matthew had replied, calling people racial or homophobic slurs. That's just free speech. Hate speech is free speech. Right. 
and he's making that point. And it is fitting, actually, that his opponents don't understand that idea and then use an argument for free speech, the basic concept, to say that he is unworthy of debating. Let's just skip the first part of the tweet and get to the part where he says he loves racial and homophobic slurs. Right. And they, they said, jump down at them. This was like less a debate than it was an ambush. Yeah. But what I want to know is also, okay, they're going up against this kid, Matthew, the other school, and he's going to, or what are we arguing? They're arguing about water, you know, clean water. And they're thinking, okay, well, we're going to argue this. He's going to argue that. And then I also want you to dig up as much dirt as you can on this guy. Yes. Go back to his social media Which, and to find be fair, out does, what is he doing. does reflect or does sort of embody actual politics and yeah, practice. Yeah, I guess. Sadly. However, debate societies are supposed to be different than that. Right. You are supposed to be dealing with the idea. That's why it doesn't matter which side you take. Your side is not an ideological position. Your side is an ac- exercise in having this conversation. Right. What's what's so depressing about this is that not only was this the, the tactic that this team came up with, they won. No, they didn't. They won. I didn't get to that part. Oh, because the judge. Yeah, because it's just right. Good versus evil. Yep. The judge, Jacob Wilkes, explained his reasoning. A debate space where racist or violent people are not allowed is preferable to one where they are, he wrote, adding that the ballot has a transformative power to challenge white debate norms where it is okay to just let racist or violent activity Sly. Okay, now I'm thoroughly depressed. He's brought in the idea of violence. There was no talk of violence in the original. No, the tweet because the tweet is cause violence. violence. Yeah, words cause violence. Words is words is violence. Words is violence. That's a good sentence. Words is violence by Mary Catherine Ham. Wow, I'm a writer, guys. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, it's that's 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 a real problem. And again, it's this notion that not all free speech is good. So I mean, I understand what the kid is saying. He's saying, look, I find racial and homophobic slurs to be disgusting disgusting but yes it is technically free speech and it's protected by the first amendment and they're saying number one it is not protected or it should not be protected not all speech should be protected by the fire in a movie theater they'll well, say right should not be protected in a movie uh, should not be protected by the constitution and it's quite obvious to us what is allowable speech and not yeah. So basically, we will make those decisions, right. and it's common sense to us if it's not to you. And in in yeah. dissecting his own behavior, because he he considers himself a progressive, he goes back and he the part of this that that's tri- even crazier. The part of this that trips him up mm-hmm. is should be legal and accepted, right? So the accepted yeah. part is not what he's communicating. He's commuting communicating the morally disgusting, but should be legal. Like yeah. that, it seems to me that this is a pretty. Yeah pretty basic mm-hmm. answer to this question yeah, i mean he's not saying it should be illegal but i like it you know? right <laughs> so, right and but, he's he yeah. says that he made a mistake it's like no, i'm not even sure you made a mistake I, no, man no, you... you did not make a mistake but maybe he's in the process of getting mid-mugging by reality you know well i'm the idea that he's on the record in this piece yeah is indication that he would actually like to stand up for himself so i'm i'm with you matthew we disagree i'm sure on a bunch I of do issues find, i find it but... thoroughly depressing not that this team won per se, because I don't know what the actual merits were of the debate, right. but the grounds well, the, for well, the the ruling saying by that's saying part of because it. We, can't, we can't have this. As if this guy who, as you mentioned, is a progressive, is suddenly this, yeah. I don't no, know he's, he's He's a pariah. Thoroughly depressing. Did you, did you see, well, let's, let's talk about uh, some 2024. Okay. A couple, a couple Biden news updates mm. yesterday. 
Number mm-hmm. one, Bidenomics, guys. Oh, right. Did you watch the speech? I didn't caught I, a little no, bit No, wa- we, we did lots of coverage in the Free Beacon, though, so I basically yeah. did. I, I find that the policy discussion is so very silly mm-hmm. and seems so detached from reality that I'm... I. I forget sometimes to put it in the podcast because I'm like, this is this is very silly. Right. But it was a major address. He talked about Bidenomics. He's got a not actually a new theory. It just sounds like a brushed up message about he's, the current he's economy. Just, he's very fortunate that his last name ends in an E-N so it can tack on the omics part. It's nice. It doesn't always work. That's actually his biggest break so far. Cardonomics. Okay. So, but uh, qu- question Voodoo. though, why are they bringing attention to the economy? They probably really do believe that the economy is something that's on their side. And he can say, you know, we still got a lot of work to do. We're going to make things better. And by the way, the economy is already roaring back. We're going to finish the job. The, finish that's the job that we're doing a great job. Everything's great. Don't get me wrong. You know, so you get to talk about wages and they talk about inflation is down by a certain amount. They're not going to talk about how much it's been up no, it's, it's for the great. last like, few years. We, we raised prices by a factor of 10, mm-hmm. and we're going to bring them down by about 12% yeah, no, and, it's, and it's, clap it's, ourselves it's, on the it's, back. It's, it's, the, it's the same as their announcement that your 4th of July picnic expenses are now about 16, 16 cents cheaper. 16 yeah. cents lower. That's great. That was a real thing that happened. Yeah. We celebrated. We celebrated a lot over that 16 cents. He also, uh, breaking news from... Jennifer Jacobs of Bloomberg, yep. they noticed in a in a gaggle the other day mm-hmm. that he had marks on his cheeks. Yep. And I, I'm assuming that it went from there to inquiries of the White House to ask, what's this about? He's now wearing a CPAP at night, which is a device right. to, like. to fix sleep apnea, mm-hmm. which is apparently something he's dealing with. A lot of people deal with sleep apnea sure. and a lot of people wear a CPAP, many people that you wouldn't expect. However, I think he runs into the problem here of whenever you have a story that feeds into the already concerning narrative about you, that's a problem. The idea that the already quite old and infirm president who 70%, some 68% of people don't believe is physically up to the job for the next four years is having trouble breathing in his sleep, Yeah, I think is a a little flag. Yes. Yellow flag at the very least. the, The idea, the image of the president of the United States at 80 Going to bed, he already, Jen Psaki says, he goes to bed early, gets up late. Yeah, He's and, good in the afternoon for good a couple the, hours. For a couple hours, but that he's going to sleep. That's wearing, when he gave his address yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, here's the interesting thing. The first thing is the marks on the face. We all get these bed marks, bed yeah, wrinkles yeah. from if you're sleeping on a sheet and it has a line. Eventually, mm-hmm. they go away, mm-hmm. right? They go away. Yeah. This tells me he had just gotten up. Well, there's two things at work here. Number one. He may have gotten up not very long before this yeah. moment. And compounding, mm-hmm. not a lot of collagen in the 80-year-olds. Oh. Okay, so. Oh, right. The, the, the bounce, of all the stuff that's going the on. The bounce back. The bounce back is not what it used to yes. be. Yes. Yeah, uh, that's right. That's right. And, uh, and, and, and again, as you're saying. The, also, I would argue maybe yeah. he needs to be more hard, hydrated. Somebody get the You think that helps? It would help. For, yeah. You know, yeah. You know that test you do when you're there's supposed to be a test you do where you pinch your skin if you're dehydrated it'll it'll stay up a little too long instead oh. of bouncing back yeah so anyway i'm just saying some water for the president it is it's you know this is again this if not for social media i don't know how we would not all know these things so quickly because it really did spread like wildfire like what is going on with it what is that mark on his face everybody wants to know and 
people were suspecting was sleep apnea. I my, my first thought was a certain scene from Pulp Fiction with Bruce Willis and Ving Rhames and and a some people, gimp. Some people yeah. made that okay made that made that comment, okay. So, uh, <laughs> and and wondered yes, wondered about yes, that. No, it's like, but it's it is. I mean, the, these machines, you know. I use somebody had to wear it. It's like putting a jock strap on your face. It's ridiculous. You know, you strap, unless you have that. But there's these new, sorry, didn't so, mean to shock you like that. It's like Animal for, House over yeah, there at no, the White House. It is, but I mean, you know, there are now, I just saw a commercial for the, you know, no no machines in place, thing, nothing on your face. Great. So maybe they should get that for the president. The thing is, I think they say something like 30 million Americans are affected by sleep apnea, but only 6 million yeah. diagnosed. Here's the thing. Your brain forgets to breathe. That's what happens during sleep apnea. It seems like a problem. For the president of the United States. And it increases stroke, the chance of stroke, something like 60%, according to studies. So that is kind of a problem for, considering he has kind of a tough job. Well, and again, the problem is that this feeds into the already established yeah. concern about him, right? Mm-hmm. If it didn't, if it was, if it was George W. Bush and nobody yeah. was concerned about his physical uh-huh. health, yeah. it'd be like, oh, I have a health challenge, and mm-hmm. this is how we solve it. This, the situation with Biden is very different, yeah. And so I think that's why it caught fire so quickly. That's why yeah. it became a story. Yeah. However, I mean, it's not a respirator, but it has the same sort of feel to it when you think about yeah. it. So, however, Biden, according to a Quinnipiac poll. He and Trump, the the presumed uh, at this point or leading candidate for the GOP nomination, neck and neck in Pennsylvania in a 2024 general election matchup, 47-46. Actually, that's among all registered voters. Yeah. 47-46. Yeah. Trump up one point. I mean, that's within the margin of error, but This is what keeps Trump going. It. I mean, but fair. He's, but, fair. He, but he's still the best candidate that Joe Biden can hope for. Oh, yes. I mean, not counting, you know, some of the minor, lesser candidates, but certainly if it was him versus, I don't know, Chris Christie or Ron DeSantis or Tim Scott Scott, or even Nikki Haley, I think that he'd prefer Trump. But for the rest of us, is this the best we could hope for? A draw between two candidates who nobody really wanted twice and both candidates, by the way, who are both worse off than they were in 2020 in terms of either <laughs> I know, I know. physical or professional. It's just a slow motion situation. train wreck, and we're yeah. just going to do it again. Yeah, Repub- it's interesting. Republican support for Trump, although it's it's high, he's he's 49 percent support support him versus 25 to Ron DeSantis, and then yeah. it goes down from there to about five for mm-hmm. Chris Christie and Mike Pence. Tim Scott getting about four percent. There's somewhat softer support among Republicans for Trump than Democrats for Biden, which is sort of surprising given some of the other polls we've seen. 89 to 7% Republicans back Trump, while 94-4 Democrats support Biden. So he's really got it locked up over there, even though they all think he's infirm and can't do the job at like a number of, it's like 60 plus percent. So it does sound like it's like slightly softer. He may just wave off any demands for debate then. He knows that he has that many people supporting him regardless. Yeah, I think the I think the thing about Trump is that you have to count on him wanting that spotlight to show mm-hmm. up, right? They're all going to be bashing him, and he's just going to be elsewhere. But he might just make himself a rally somewhere elsewhere where he doesn't have to deal with the, yeah. the annoyances of having to answer questions yeah, or arguments yeah, from he, other people. He'll, he'll have cinched it anyway in his mind. I also wanted to flag this real quick. This is another one where the the headline changed. The Atlantic is oh. reporting on RFK Jr. Okay. And 
I do, I should have screenshot the original headline, but the upshot is that RFK Jr. is a product of the right, guys. Even though he's a literal Kennedy, yeah, running in the Democratic primary, bearing a striking resemblance to one of the most beloved yes, figures in the Democratic and pulling party. twenty plus percent in yeah. the Democratic primary. Mm-hmm. What he is, I think they called him something along the the candidate, the the. Elon Musk, Rogan, whatever, grab bag candidate is what they called him of the right. And I was like, no, like he's in <laughs> he's in your primary, guys. He's now called the first MAGA Democrat. That's what they ended no, up changing this, it to. The, you know, they have been, the media has been very successful over the years in creating these narratives. Right. The don't say gay bill. Right. You know, things up. book well, banning for that matter. And uh, this is just along those same a man, lines. A Kennedy, a man of the right. Yeah, what's, amazing. What's interesting to me is that I feel like they're missing the larger story, which is that there are things that do unify populist left yeah. and populist yeah. right. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening here. And what unifies populist right and populist left and then feeds an appetite occasionally yeah. for conspiracy theories is the utter lack of trust of institutions and political leaders that is exemplified by none other than Rochelle, 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 who will take no responsibility for any of the things she did wrong. And because of the fact that conspiracy theories then became true at times, Mm -hmm. right? People are within their rights to have very serious questions. And what I think the, the, the media establishment is missing is that there are a lot of people on both sides who have those concerns. Right. And they are not being allayed by almost anyone. Mm-hmm. At least in the current... Right, right. Uh, skepticism about big government, skepticism about corporations, that sort of thing. And sort of, they meet together in that space. We call them red-pilled hippies. Yeah. It's funny. The only mag- red-pilled hippies all over the place. The only MAGA Democrat I can think of legitimately is Rod Blagojevich. Remember, he was pardoned <laughs> by yes. Trump, the uh, former governor well, of they Illinois. Are, they are certainly... Former governor senator. Certainly governor. Yeah. Certainly, got, well, he was trying to buy the Senate that's, seat. That wasn't what he was doing. Certainly, birds of a feather, those two. Yes. Because yeah, yeah. Blagojevich was one of the first people to really try to just run out the clock and be as shameless as possible. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 I'm not going to. It was to. quite a run. He's like, I'm not going to resign just right. because you have me on tape yeah. negotiating over an open Senate seat doesn't mean that I need to vacate yeah. the governor's mansion. I'm just going to stay here. And it was a quite, a, at the time, sort of an unprecedentedly bold gambit. Now people do it all the time. It's like being shameless uh, is being the name shameless of the game. Being shameless is, yeah, that changed. He actually, he pioneered that. Yeah. He yeah, pioneered that. He was one that. of the early, the early. Speaking of RFK, by the way, it is interesting how he's still doing surprisingly so well considering his stance on various positions. Yes. So he, on his podcast. Well, he's like a kook in a thousand ways, yeah, right? Yeah, in a thousand ways. But some of his critiques are correct. Right. So it's a weird right. thing right. to engage with, right. but that's, that's why he has 20 plus percent right. in the Democratic primary, guys. People are that unhappy with Joe Biden. But, you know, he just had Scott Ritter on his podcast. Remember him? He is the former Iraqi war, you know, analyst, oh, person, yes. weapons inspector guy who has gone crazy. And not only that, but, you know, Robert Kennedy is, of course, a, a Ukraine skeptic, right? Mm-hmm. He's soft. Yeah. He's soft on Russia. He's soft on Putin. And Ritter happens to think nice things about Putin, and also Ritter's a convicted sex felon. He also, uh, nice. Yeah. He also, RFK Jr. wants to, like, eliminate all of us who don't believe in climate change. 
in the same way that he does. Like sure. we should just be like sure. out of here. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. all sorts of like oh, bizarre. And, yeah. and and he believes that you know uh, the U.S. had uh, men, has been manufacturing vaccines even before COVID to kill black people, and yet he's doing that well. So that really tells me there's an opening for a, a normal Democrat to challenge Joe Biden. Not that anyone. Well, unfortunately, all they have is Gavin Newsom. So That's there will be no normal one forthcoming. Normal quick, that. quick, uplifting. Yeah. Story. I love this. A Belgian shot putter and hammer thrower, oh. Julian Boumquo. I don't know how you say her last name. It's I Belgian. Believe. It's a hard to yes. pronounce. I thought Dutch was hard. Belgian. Showed what it really means to be a team player at the European Championships in Poland, running in the 100-meter hurdles so her team could stay in the competition. Donning a smile beforehand, she stepped in to run the second heat of the hurdles competition after runners Annie Zegra and Hannah Clace couldn't compete due to in- injuries. Despite being surrounded by hurdlers, <laughs> she didn't back down from the race. Once it began, she ran and carefully went over each hurdle as she didn't knock down a single one to avoid any deductions. She finished with a time of 32.81 seconds, 19 seconds after second to last finisher, <laughs> Maha Malmbach, Malmbach you know, I, I feel, of Sweden. I feel, I feel like I could do about 30 seconds. I probably could compete it's, with her. It's actually, it's hilarious and oh the video is great and in the video hard, you know. she's she's obvious she's a shot putter she yeah. doesn't look like a hurdler she's a bigger woman and she's she's very she tall can house me she, yeah. oh yeah she's very tall and she's just taking those big long legs and just stepping carefully yeah. over each hurdle kind of jogging up to them it's it's how i would do hurdles at uh, 40 plus years old so as not to sacrifice no. the body in ways yeah, we don't or, need or make an ass out of yourself because i think about this i, I mean i tried this in high school and you know during gym class because they have the hurdles why not you get snagged on one of those things it's a whole scene yeah it's a whole scene you know what it, rem- it reminds me of sometimes when you have these enormous tackles in football and they somehow recover the fumble and then they, they tell you, okay, suddenly you got to run 80 yards. Oh, yeah. You know, a friend of and, mine. And you're 320 pounds running, and it's it's terrifying to watch. A friend of mine who would, is, was himself a large man, he's sli- slightly smaller now having lost weight, but at the, at the time he used to do a great impression of Big Boy Gets the Ball. And Big Boy Gets the Ball is holding it real, yeah, tight, real tight in one <laughs> hand. And then this arm, <laughs> the other arm is doing so yeah. much work. Right. Like with every right. Right. pull, he's like it's pulling swinging. his body weight right. forward like a rower because he's right. never. Somehow it's like revving him up. He's and, never had yeah. to go this no. far and this fast before. And yet he still looks slow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah you know, yeah, yeah. the big man doesn't always it's, move the it's, way. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, anyway, good for her. So I would, I, I got to okay. employ the big, big boy got the ball. <laughs> big boy's got the ball. All right. Good, good on her. Yes, they they qualified. Her. They didn't get disqualified. Oh, I was going to congratulate us also. Oh, yes. Before okay, we this is good. This is a big um, thing. Trav- How do we say Travis's last Kelsey? name? Kelsey, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought that was correct. Not Kelso, which is from um, that 70s show. Yeah, Travis Kelsey, who's a Eagles NFL player. Yeah. He and his brother, right? He and his brother. The brother played against the Eagles yeah, for the right. Super Bowl. The so that was a big story at the time. They He has a podcast, and he wants everyone to know it's the hardest job in the world. So yeah. what do you think is more challenging, being a podcaster or being a football player? Podcaster. Yeah, thank you. Podcaster. It's the thank hardest far, job dude. in the world. It's hardest so job hard. in the world, dude. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, you keep coming out with content that people want to hear. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it's the hardest job in the world to keep coming out with content that people want to hear. You know what, Vic? It's a good thing we make it look so easy. It is, Mary Catherine. It is a big, you know what it is? It's not obviously, it's not the hardest job, which we're not talking about brain surgery here or rocket no, but science. I don't want to under- tell you what I don't want to understand how how brave and stunning we are well, because well, we are one, indeed it is true but also 
it is the contrast between perception and reality. Because mm-hmm. you listen to a show, much like I might watch a movie or a TV show. Oh, these guys are great. They're funny. I can do that. You know, whatever. It's not saying that you can't do this. Maybe anybody can do this job. But it is a lot of work, at least for me. Yeah. And this was I had become the case when I was doing the Sub Beacon, which is I write scripts for everything. And I got, I got notes here. I this and- is the, the trick of Vic. He sounds so unrehearsed, but it, he actually it's got, literally, he's a prepped guy. I mean, I literally have my line here. It sounds unrehearsed. Oh, no, no. Okay. <laughs> but it's but no, I mean, it just helps. Everyone works differently, but I can't just sit here and then start riffing. And I think there are people who think that, and then they go on a show if they're just guesting or whatever they're doing, and they'll just be like, oh, this is going to be cool because I listen and, and I want to do this, and it's going to be a lot of fun and then you sit there and there's a lot of ums and uhs and yes. you just it's I will do my notes I will reread them sort of rehearse them and then I'll even I you know when I started with the sub beacon I would just listen to ads and then and then and then I would talk alone in the car and see how do I sound because <laughs> you want it to be you know you don't want it to be nails on a chalkboard you yes. want it to be a, a voice that, you know hello and welcome yeah, you know something you like it. that and then and the other thing is you don't want, and maybe this is what Kelsey learns, is you don't you don't want to talk at the listeners or to the listeners. You you want to have a you want to have them be a part of the conversation so that they're imagining, as I see this yes. at home, you're listening to them in your kitchen, around your coffee table, we're we're there with you. We're all buddies. We're, we're there right now. We're all I'll buddies have another here. Cup. Look, I, okay. As I said. Podcasting does not come without hardships. Did you hear the parking story? (laughs) Okay. And wait till the next episode. There's no telling. We got work to do in that next episode. There's no telling what awaits me in the garage. You know, there might be an angry note. There might be a harshly worded note. You're probably going to get an angry note. Okay. So. (laughs) And and I'm going to get blowback from the the wider audience about parking like a jerk. So I may a culpa. We did it for the show. Did it for the show. Okay. We better wrap it up. The hardest job in the world. We better wrap it up before you get towed. That wraps up this episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorino Mattis. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter, at MK Hammer Time on Instagram, but you really should follow us on Instagram at Getting Hammered Podcast. Thanks for getting hammered responsibly. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. Mm-hmm.